Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What's happening? Welcome back. This is the No Cap Podcast with your boy Javier Fresco. I'm in the room with Snuds, the general. We're back for our fourth installment. Fourth so, episode. Fourth yes, episode, bro. It's, a, it's, the last, it's the last week in Black History Month. Um, you know what I'm saying? It's, we ain't really addressed nothing Black History related, so... I feel like this would be a dope episode, you know what I'm saying, to go ahead and do some something like that. You know, we won't let the money go out without us, you know, addressing it or saying something about it. You know what I'm saying? Black power. Power to <laughs> all, the people. All power to the people. <laughs> so, uh, I was, uh, you know, speaking of Black History Month, I'm sure, you know, Black America is really, um, <clears throat> it's kind of taking a, 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 a quiet stance on well, now nah, I ain't gonna use that quiet stance, but everybody kind of hurt, bro, about the Deontay Wilder outcome. Took a hard fall. He did. Did you get a chance to see it? Nah, I ain't watch. I watched some highlights, but I ain't watched the actual fight. Yeah, man. Yeah, I dude, watched it. Man. He just Deontay Wilder, a beast. You know, mm-hmm. the bronze bomber. He a beast. Yeah. Uh, from what I did watch. Um, he didn't seem got Stone Cold in. <laughs> he didn't see. Uh, he didn't seem. He didn't seem one hundred percent. He seemed about eighty five percent. You know, I ain't taking under, taking away nothing from Tyson Fear. You know, he prepared. You know, the sure will to come back into the ring and man, fight that man you. again. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna tell you this from all the viewers and the listeners that watched. That fight, I guarantee you, he probably looked like he was 100% because Burr had really just beat him up like that. Like, really? He, yeah, bro. It was, he came out strong. He was straight, bro. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He was ready. Bro hit his ass a couple times, bro, and it really just, he hurt him early. He hurt him super early. I said it on Facebook uh, when I was watching. I was like, shit. Deontay Wilder was shit. He was really, out of it in the second round. It mm. was just his heart, bro. He fought merely off a heart that kept him up to the seventh round. Should have been going way before then. And mm. to be honest, it was a wise decision by his corner to throw the towel because had they not, we might be talking about something different. He was just getting he beat up just that bad. Whoa. Yeah, bro. Detrimental to his career, think like? Like to his health. Wow. Just, Man, that's crazy. Yeah, it was. It was. It I did see uh, Tyson Fear being freaky in the ring, licking on that man. I ain't crazy. That crazy, man, licking. You say it's funny that you say crazy because that's the thing that he entered the ring on. Really, that's some crazy shit. Yeah, bro. It was wow. like if anybody got any footage um, on that uh, on that link from that from that that intro. From Tyson, uh, Tyson Fury, post it in the comments. You want to see it? You need to see that, bro. It was crazy when he came out. The way he came out, I was like, yeah, he might. It was almost like some he legend, the Joker type shit. Whoa, yeah, that's the feel I got from it. It was menacing. Yeah, it was like it was like, man, it wasn't like 
It was almost like you had to read in between the lines, right? Okay, so but it wasn't disturbing. It right, but, but the song itself, and I think the name of the song is crazy. Never heard the song in my life. Okay. Never heard it in my life, but the song set the tempo for the fight, I feel, because it's like, it was a song with just a piano and a lady singing, and it was no percussion, it was no bass, you know what I'm saying, none of that going on. Mm. And he was carried to the ring, sitting on the throne, and he had like, it had to be like six dudes carrying this thing to the ring, bro. It looked like it was four, but I think it was like six dudes carrying him down to the ring, bro. Like he was a king. He had a crown on, his robe. It was some real <laughs> sinister type shit in my mind. Mm. And that played to his ears too. Yeah, bro. In the fight, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, all that count, man. When when you boxing, all that stuff count. You know what I'm saying? The way you enter the ring, I just think about Iron Mike. Bro used to go to the ring with a towel with a hole cut in the middle. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like nothing glamorous, nothing big. You know what I'm saying? Getting the folk, getting the ring is beat folk. Yeah. So all that stuff play to the ears, play that's to your we, ears. That's what we needed that night. Yeah. I think Deontay really needs to think about uh, letting Mike Tyson train him. Really yeah. help him. Yeah, I think that'll help him out. Get some pointers, some type of. You know how how NBA players reached out to Kobe for for moves because Kobe did the same shit with MJ. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Deontay need to reach out to them type of people to see what he can pick up. Iron sharpen iron. Boxes. Yeah, for sure. But yeah. yeah, hell of a fight. He went down, you know, sad time in black history because his, his whole thing was a black history tribute when he came out. You know. Mm. But, yeah, and it was it was kinda, you know, it was different. Both both interests were, were very, very different. But like I said, you know, a lot of people taking this as a hit on black history. So we 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 just we said that we're gonna talk about black history today and we're actually gonna call this episode Black Man. Okay. We'll kinda get kinda kinda into, you know, the makeup of the black man. We're gonna try to keep it interesting. So, you know, bear with us. This might be a lot of uh knowledge thrown around this conversation. Uh we'll see. It might not be but, you know, either way, so me and you be talking about this a lot. Yeah. We talk about, how can I word this? People that seem like how black somebody is, basically. Right. You know, like, uh, I've also, I've had friends that, that, that speak to, like, you know, they say I'm not black enough. Well, you might hear Drake, like, when Drake first came out, he made that comment, like, he had to fight for how black he was. He had to fight for how good he was as a rapper because he was just acting. You know what I'm saying? So it's a lot of people that people will say, hey, they not they ain't real black folks or they not black enough. Why do you think that is? Simply because of the culture that you were brought up in or raised in. Yeah. We from the deep south. If we want to be technical about it, these just are my thoughts. These are personal opinions. If you want to be real about it, we are the true essence. People from the Deep South are the true essence of what black people are. For the simple fact, the reason why I say that is because when, during the transatlantic slave trade, people were getting dropped off here. Yeah. They were getting dropped off and 
Mississippi, South Carolina, you know what I'm saying? They were getting dropped. They were some of the first slave poor was it. So what we do in in our culture, other people have carried it to other locations during great migrations, like to Detroit and yeah. to LA and Chicago. to you know, to Chicago and to Harlem. You get yeah. what I'm saying? So that culture, so if any person that see a person that's probably like from Montana, a black person from Montana, and they're a cowboy. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. You're more integrated into Western culture than you are black culture, if that makes sense. You get what I'm saying? I feel like, yeah, I feel like we're going to say it like that, though. You Let's say more... Western culture than Southern black culture. And Southern, yeah, okay. That's a good way to put it up. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, right down to black culture, black culture is not, I always hear this, but it reigns true if you really understand what you're saying. It's like, we say black culture is not monolithic. Meaning it's not one thing, it's not based, it's not one way. We as a people have a bunch of different things that we do in a bunch of different cultures within our culture, but all cultures start somewhere. I think that we are closely related to ancestral African culture than anybody else. Because if you think about it, it's like the Geechee Gullah people in South Carolina. They got their own dialect. They got a way that they speak. They still have, they, they still they got their heritage, you know what I'm saying? Like they, they have things over there, cooking, all of it. But they had to carve out something from their homeland. They, it moved from being African culture to being black culture. Yeah. Because when you're an African descendant, when you're born in America, you ain't African. You're African adjacent. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You like, you come from that lineage, but you're American. So we, you know what I'm saying, we 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 take those things and you know what I'm saying, all that stuff, and that's why black people can dance, that's why we can sing, that's why we can play instruments, you know what I'm saying? That's why we can we're athletic and all that stuff. Because of the genetic makeup of Africans, but when you get to America, you gotta like create a culture of your own. Where they used to talk to talk with drums in the field in Africa, we had to start singing slave songs to communicate with each other. You see what I'm saying? Like that dynamic. Yeah. It's the same thing, just doing it a different way. Right. So I don't think other people like Drake. Drake grew up in he grew up in Canada, in Toronto. Toronto's not really heavy. His dad is from Memphis. So he got to he got to see Southern black culture. Yeah, he got to see that shit for real, for real. For yeah, real. you know what I'm saying? He got to see it, but he ain't from it. Right. That's a dick. You know what I'm saying? Like, it like well, He's exposed to it. it, it his exposure <laughs> level was, I'm not sure how, you know, how his relationship with his father was growing up, but if he was able to see that, like go to Memphis yeah. and his exposure was there, I think, yeah. you know, she got turned on to a different way of living. I, I can't really speak for Canada. I've never been to Toronto. I always wanted to go. And we will soon. But you know what I'm saying? It's uh, If he was exposed to I feel like anybody who come and spend some serious time in the South, they get exposed to and they understand it. 
They may and they understand it is real. You know what I'm saying? They, yeah. they may not understand why it's the way it is. And that's yeah. the thing too. I hear a lot of people that say like, you know, when you bring this topic up, like, oh, they just think I ain't ghetto enough, and that's why they feel like I ain't black because they feel nah. like a lot of shit that you know real southern people do is either so-called ghetto or you know what I'm saying it's like we 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 moved on from them times so why are you still doing it? you know what I'm saying I think what you just said though kind of break down the um it breaks it down the technicality yeah. that's how that's how that, if we were being technical you know what I'm saying that's how I would look at it if we were being technical right right in right. layman's turn or to regular niggas bruh you just ain't grow up like we grew up yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? You just ain't, you don't come from where we come from. Right. Like, we come from the purest form of black people, to me. Because and, if you go not anywhere only, in the world. Go ahead, go ahead. And I'm just going to say, you know, not only just, you know what I'm saying, the purest form of black people, but the purest form of what black people have to deal with in America. You know On what God. I'm saying? On God, that's true, yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because it's, 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 it's a real thing and we really deal with it and we actually live in it. Like, we got to think about it, bro. And I always say this. I said this on uh, other podcasts. You know, my mother grew up in a time where segregation was a thing. Like, she was the first, among the first blacks that went to our high school. You know what I'm saying? And that's not, like, a generation that's still living and thriving on this earth that was here and that was segregated. And that right. was I grew up in a household with an individual that dealt with it. You see what I'm saying? So we we're not so far removed from the mentality of Jim Crow and segregation, and you know what I'm saying? We actually the offspring of that shit. Forty, fifty years, really? Yeah. They're real. They're young. You know what I'm saying? When in terms of how long ago it was? That was that's not ancient history. That's right around the corner. Exactly. We ain't we ain't real far removed from that at all. You gotta think about how many lawmakers, how many politicians, how many people in power that were alive back then and still alive today. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, a lot of people true. a lot of people who shaped the world back then still alive today. And we still had to deal with a lot of that shit, like the remnants of that shit growing up. A lot of people don't really understand, and they're just not from like interaction with white people. That comes from the systematic oppression you got to deal with as a result of all that shit. Because you're still trying to come up. Yeah, you know. It's a either way, man. It ain't about you know what I'm saying. It ain't about somebody thinking that. And I wanted to take a step back when you were saying like people saying that I'm not acting ghetto enough. Yeah. It's not that you're acting ghetto because Southern people are not ghetto. <clears throat> we're very intellectual. We're very, very eloquent. When I want to speak correctly, if I want to pronunciate and enunciate, I can do that. But when I'm in the comfort of my family, I want to speak the language. We are, we often on this podcast talk about speaking the language. You get what I'm saying? Right. It's almost like when we speak to each other and it's people from, other places that we talk to each other, they were like, what are they saying? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like we're speaking our own language. And that's all a part of culture. Every culture has a language. A you fact. get what I'm saying? So we're not ghetto. It's not being ghetto. It's, not, it's, like, it's like people from New Orleans speak Creole. Creole is broken French. 
You right. get what I'm saying? So it's like that's a part of their culture. So it's 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 about culture. To me, I said before, I'm a connoisseur of culture. I like other cultures, but I'm very serious about my own as well. Right. You know what I'm saying? So that's just that on it. Yeah, for sure. And you know, that was uh, you know, something I feel like we just had to address. Exactly. Um, but <clears throat> you know, so I think one thing to play, play that is a key component, and um, and what a lot of people try to try to what they see as can change the black community, or it's just a staple. What used to be, a, what should be a staple um, in the black community, black fathers. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of people, either especially where we come from, either you grew up with your father at home. Or you didn't, you know what I'm saying? You had to make your decision based on around, you know, the lack or, you know what I'm saying, your father actually being present. Yeah. And a lot of people had fathers present, you know, that weren't influential or, you know, played that role like they should have played in their lives, right? Mm-hmm. So how important do you feel black fatherhood is in the progressing of black people right now in the United States. I feel like black fathers are very black men. Let me let me not just say black fathers, but black men, we are very necessary in our society and in our communities for the simple fact that a man, whatever color he is, is my my personal belief is that a man a man's purpose is to protect and to provide, to educate, to cultivate. You get what I'm saying? Things like that. Yeah. And if we're not doing that, then there's no forward progression. Black, being a black father, let's take let's take a, a, a situation like um, a father go to jail, a black dad go to jail, he got a son. That son grow up and go to jail. And he have a son. Now, all this baby that's seen is niggas in jail. So, we just constantly perpetuating the same narrative. You get what I'm saying? So, it's not like it's not like things are evolving or things are shifting or things are moving forward. It's like it's being stagnant. And it's, it come from Systematic oppression. We got to say that it comes from black men being systematically locked out of this, you know, locked out of opportunity. But we can't always blame everything on somebody else. That's one thing that I would dispel right now. I don't believe just because your daddy did that, you supposed to do it too. Well, a black father is very vital and very integral to the shaping and the molding of a black son or a black boys in our community. It's very vital. It's very necessary because, like I said, black a man is supposed to protect, provide, to educate, to cultivate. But just because you see that, you don't have to be that. I ain't right. trying to sound like Umar Johnson up here neither <laughs> without any <that> rhyme. <laughs> 
Brother Dr. Seuss of the Black and Black History movie. <laughs> Bro, be going in with them rhymes. <laughs> but like that dude in the uh, and it was in the cell on uh, don't be a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Always walk in the green, never in between. Never in between. <laughs> <laughs> what <Walk> these <laughs> stupid redfish bloopers? That man was stabbing. <laughs> they need to make a meme about this shit. This nigga spitting. Got the Umar nigga for real. And then we just said nigga Black History Month. Nigga, Johnny King, my boy. All right, check this out. So, I feel like, you know, and I'm just going to speak briefly on this. Uh, I grew up in the house with my father. And it was a great experience. And I say it because my father taught me how to be a father by being a father. Yeah. There's no manual, there's no guidelines. Like, all right, page one. Chapter one, how to be a father. It ain't no, you know what I'm saying? It ain't no script. But uh, he showed me every day, you know, what it takes to be a father. He got up and went to work. He provided, you know what I'm saying? My dad was a man's man, you know what I'm saying? Fix on shit. Pass some shit up, you know? <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of people who didn't have their dad at home. A lot of my, most of my friends didn't. But I feel like, you know, a lot of people let that fuel them. I say that. They let that fuel them and into whatever it is that they want to do. That's the that's the fire behind it. You know, that's the that's the rage and that's the gas we're gonna pull on the fire. They let them fuel their foolishness, man. For real. They let them fuel they they let it fuel their foolishness. Because you could be ignorant. To the fact of, like, like, say, for example, like you just said, your father taught you how to be a father by being one. My dad, I grew up in the house with my dad. But my dad did not teach me how to be a man. Through words. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like, it was inadvertent. My dad went and used to go and worked and cut home wet from his shirt to his sock. You get what I'm saying? Because he was sweating in the sun all day. So me Damn. seeing it, <laughs> for real, I'm dead serious, bro. Bro used to work like he used to be in the cotton field. For real, bro used to be sweating. Bro was outside bro. running. For <laughs> real, doing something. But we didn't have, it wasn't a conversation. We didn't have a conversation. He didn't say, well, son, this how you supposed to do this or this how you do that. I took tidbits from what he was doing and actions and was like, all right, that's what I'm supposed to do. So now me and my dad don't have the greatest relationship because of it. Because at the end <laughs> of the day, you still have to develop a relationship with a child. You know what I'm saying? You have to develop a relationship with a child, but because I did not have an intimate relationship with my dad, don't mean that I'm going to use that to say, oh, that's why, you know what I'm saying, I did ABC. No, that's not a reason to do that. Right. It don't make sense. You know what I'm saying? It don't make sense to keep perpetuating the same garbage. It's stupid. 
You know what I'm saying? I don't understand. I, there is no excuse for this to me. Yeah. Because you can always, you can always choose. We're yeah. all born with a choice. Right. That's kind of what I was saying, though. Like, I was kind of thinking, you know, maybe, well, I was speaking along the lines of, like, some people who actually take that and fuel that fire in a more positive perspective, you know? Like, I've seen a lot of successful people. Yeah, I've seen a lot of successful people in that same, um, you know, same background, no father present, single mom, bunch of brothers and sisters or whatever. And they take that and they fuel a whole other type of fire. You know what I'm saying? And it's, it's them type of people, though, they destined for greatness. If they can yep. find that, fine-tune that void and turn it into something positive, you know, and then they can stop them type of people. Most definitely. Most definitely, them. man. So this is something that I kind of want to talk about that I was kind of in a conversation earlier since we talking about this. We're talking about fatherhood. All the rage right now is Dwayne Wade and his son. Being a father, because I'm not a father yet, being a father to black boys, what is your stance? I don't want you to, because I know how things can be perceived, so you don't have to go into depth about it, but be as candid as you could possibly be on how you feel about that situation. But I'm going to be honest with you. So, I'm going to say this. I commend Dwayne Wade for being a father. Number one. Number one. And, you know, and I say it because a lot of people lose their kids by not being their kids' parents. You see what I'm saying? Yep. It's like, his son, his daughter, whatever you want to call it, to be PC. Um, he he took a stand with his child, period. You know what I'm saying? Regardless of what the world may say or what they may think, that's something that they got to do. And that's what, that's what the world messed up about, bro. A lot of people think that they can chastise you for how you live your life or correct you or check you for how you live your life. But ain't nobody out here perfect. Nobody. You know what I'm saying? Now, however you want to judge that situation, whether you be for it or whether you be against it, ain't nobody out here perfect one way or the other. You see what I'm saying? So yeah. how I see it is, bro, I commend him for being a father, and I feel like no matter what happened in that situation, bro going to be loved by his child, and he going to love his child back. And that's what's more important than anything. You know yeah. what I'm saying? A lot of people trying to, trying to go in on it, man. Because I'm going to be honest with you, bro. Yeah, I got two boys. And every black father, every heterosexual black father want his boys to grow up and love women. Yeah. That's a real thing. And the world ain't like, that's, that's strange for you to want that. But that's, that's what I grew up. That's what my daddy did. You know what I'm saying? That's how, that's how I'm here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I want my, t- my children to grow up and naturally fall in love with a woman. And she break his heart. <laughs> he real, And he yeah. finds somebody else that he can love. And he might not be so, you know what I'm saying, all into it. Because he, he he remember the last time. I want him to deal with that shit. And that's what most, that's what every heterosexual father wants, black father wants for his son. I can speak for that. 
I can't yeah. say, you know, that's if that's the majority. I mean, that's the, you know what I'm saying, 100%. But, you know what I'm saying, majority, just from realistically speaking, that's what we want for our kids. But it ain't even about that, though. Because at the end of the day, we want our boys to grow up and be men. You know what I'm saying? We want to, like you said, yeah. protect and provide and do all of it and fulfill their yeah. dreams. You know what I'm saying? And and that's what it's all about. I feel like Dwayne Wade, just like Manny Johnson, they didn't took a stance with their family, bro, that the world can't understand because the world wants you to be a certain way. But sometimes you can't let what's important get lost in the mix. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Man, I really believe that as a people, we have to stop offering our opinion on everything. That's a fact. We have to. It has to be some boundaries. You get what I'm saying? It has to be some boundaries. Like Boosie said, what Boosie said who said, no, dog. No, dog. <laughs> Come on, Dwayne, dog. <laughs> Come on, bro. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? It's like, bro, like he taking away the he taking away the element of, bro, they might just love his child. Period. So it don't matter. Every everything supersedes. Love supersedes everything in between. It don't matter what you say. It don't matter what she say or he say. I love my child. For real. To the end of the earth. And that's what he's standing on. I'm going to accept my child because I love him. No matter how he is. Of course I want my son to love women. Because that's a tough road that he finna go down. And don't no real person, no real parent. I can't speak... I'm speaking from a child place. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Ain't nobody don't. They a parent want their child to suffer. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? No parent want their child to suffer. And what that, what that kid is gonna have to go through, it is gonna be life changing for all of them. Yeah. But what I will say, bro, I will say this. It might be somewhat controversial, or somewhat. Unorthodox. I do not believe that. How old is he? He like ten. I know. I think he's he like, like twelve. Like twelve sure. years old. When I was twelve years old, I instinctively liked girls. You get what I'm saying? I instinctively liked girls. Nobody had to tell me to like no girl. Right. But it's because of what I was around. I was around a man. My daddy was slicker whoremonger. My brother was, you know what I'm saying? Like, for real, though. My daddy was out here in the streets. That man was out here. Brother, he did. My daddy was out here, though. So, um, instinctively, (laughs) and and 50% instinctively, and 50% of that was like cultural cultural influence, that was on Paul Light. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, I agree with that for sure. You but get my what I'm dad, saying? Not, so not, the, not the homemonger, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. That the fact that it was a man and woman in the house that showed affection. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. I when agree. you break that up, when you break that up, when you when you bring when you bring division into this, 
the cloud get a little, the, the, the sky get a little cloudy. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Stuff start getting gray. Because now this kid, he, Dwayne Wade, a professional athlete. Yeah. I don't know that child's mother. Standpoint is or what their relationship is like, but I know from a a personal experience with somebody in my family that they didn't have a real relationship with their mama, and they it affected him. Yeah, and I believe that you know what I'm saying like he a homosexual. Yeah, because I was telling my wife this earlier at dinner. The the a man's and I hope I don't get towed up about how I feel about this, bro. You but can't get towed up because I probably I got towed up on the second episode. Sorry, <laughs> y'all just gotta sell me for who I am. Okay, all right. So I was telling her I was like, man, the first person, the first woman I ever loved was my mama. Yeah, for real. I used to when I was. When I was nine years old, when I was seven, now I was seven years old, I started pumping my mama gas. I used to open the door for my mama. I used to buy my mama gifts on Valentine's Day. When my mama was sick, I used to make, I used to tuck her in, I used to kiss her on her forehead until it was gonna be. My mama was the first woman that I ever showed intimate love to, not in no freaky way. You know what I'm saying? Not in no sexual way. I don't want y'all to think I'm a creep out here. Man, come on. But my mama taught me how to love a woman. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. How to be a man to a woman. How to be chivalrous. Yeah, not even just chivalrous. You know what I'm saying? Like chivalry, chivalry is a part of it. Yeah. But how to really love, how to cater to a woman's relational needs. Yeah. And women need attention. Women need affection. Women need affirmation. You know what I'm saying? They need stuff like that. So she taught me that. If a child is not brought up in a home with his mother, or him and his mother, a boy, let me say a boy. If a boy is not brought up in the in the home with his mom, and they don't develop that type of relationship, then like I said, the cloud, the, the, the sky get cloudy, bro. It get gray because now I don't know who to love. Yeah, I mean, but I don't I, know where to put. I feel like I feel like a lot of people can make that argument both ways though for black because a lot of people say that for black fathers as well. You know what I'm saying? When that void or if it's some type of disruption and that black father is no longer in that household or in that construct, you know, it, yeah. it kind of get cloudy just because of a lack of a parent, maybe. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if it's uh, you know, because a lot of people. But with fathers, to- with fathers, my my bad, my bad. I didn't mean to cut you off. You good? But I feel like with a father. Well, father, excuse me, it's a different dynamic. Because like you were saying with you and your dad, y'all, you know what I'm saying, your, your dad, I see, I used to, I can remember you and your dad used to play fight. You know what I'm saying? All the time. Yeah, That's bro, a different dynamic. Bro, play than... too much, though. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Sidetrack, bro. I remember... <laughs> I remember my grandma was the high pillar, man. <laughs> and my grandma, my grandma said, Daddy crazy. <laughs> I said, what? He was like, he was sitting up there and he poked that boy right in his eye. 
<laughs> he poked that man. He said, she said, he poked you right in the eye, bro. I'm talking about full flame finger in the eye. That nigga ain't never did no shit like that. So we didn't see what tripping? <laughs> I don't know if he did. It had to be on some mistake type shit. I don't remember. It was an accident. It, I'm sure it was an accident. I'm sure it was an accident. He, I can see him making a mistake. Like, I can see him making a mistake because he played all the time. Like he was just one of the people that just played all the time. <laughs> he still be playing all the time. <laughs> but yeah, but, you know, but, yeah, but but with a father, <coughs> excuse me, with a father. <coughs> The dynamic different with a mom, though, bro. That's and that's what I believe. That's what I believe. The that's the that's the great equalizer right there. Mm-hmm. A boy hitting mama. You gotta think about your relationship with your mama, bro. Oh yeah, I love my mama. I love my dad it's, too. I know, but the love between a mom, a, 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 a Listen, male. Don't and don't say that, bro. Because I'm gonna tell you, my daddy gonna hit this. He gonna swell up and down a little my mama more than a little him, bro. That ain't no, it's the love is different though, bro. It is love different. You get what I'm saying? Love different. And it's displayed different. You can love them equally, displayed different. Like I just said, your daddy play a fight with you all the time. That love. Oh yeah. That's an intimate, that's intimate relationship. And you know you what? what I'm saying? That's an innate innate state of being because I even watch my kids, right? I got a six-year-old yeah. and I got a seven-month-old. And my 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 little baby, my seven-month-old, right? As soon as he see me, bro, he ready to fight already. He, blah, I'm going to slap you in your face. Ah, I'm going to scratch your beard off. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He, he, he see my wife. He touch her face, bro. He just touch her face. You know what I'm saying? He don't, he don't get aggressive or none of that. But as soon as he see me, Ah, oh, it's on and popping, bro. I'm finna steal off exactly. you. You know what exactly. I'm saying? So, yeah, I can see that. You get what I'm saying? Like, so that's what I believe. And at 12 years old, the only thing that I would agree with Boosie on in that situation is at 12 years old, do you really know, bro? Do you really know? I'm gonna be real with you, my boy. I can't speak for nobody else, but I've been new. I've been. I know in terms of in terms of. Whether you want to be a girl or a boy, bro, I know I'm not talking about what you like. I'm talking about what you like. We pass what you like. We talking about what you want to be. You get what I'm saying? That lot more like, man, when I was 12 years old, I wanted to be a firefighter. No. I wanted to fight fire. Bro, I don't want to be no firefighter. I'm 31 years old. You know, firefighter. But like I say, I can't speak because man, I know some some people twelve years old, bro, who were just on a whole another level with a lot of shit. But I'm talking about now. I'm not talking about us. Well, I kind of did. So let me let me take back. Let me rewind and say and not say this. Let me recant my statement because I really feel like at twelve years old we was different breed because we were outside. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? These kids ain't outside, bro. They ain't outside. No. So they don't know. They are a little less mature than we were, bro. At 12 years old, I had to be almost a grown man. My mama died when I was 11. Yeah. Right. So at 12 years old, I had to be a man, really. I had to get out here and under, like, understand. I had to realize what death was. I had to realize what it's going to be to not have my mama no more. I wasn't going to be spoiled no more. 
You know what I'm saying? I had to move into a totally different environment than what I was used to around a whole bunch of people that I didn't know. So it was like the circumstances were very different. Right. But 12 years old now, at 12 years old then, it's very different. Because these kids on the iPad, they on the phone. You know what I'm saying? They ain't outside. They not doing what we were doing. Right. We were very, we were much more mature at that age. So I can I can I can agree with you on that. I can agree with you on that. Yes. Yeah. So they not they ain't bro. They don't know what life is for real. They don't really know what life is. They know what life is for them, bro. They don't know what life is for us. It's just like we but don't. That ain't real life, bro. And I think this is a great segue into the next topic. They don't really know what life is because social media ain't real. Mm. Social media is not real, bro. I want to make that PSA, social media fake, y'all. It's fake news. It is not real. It's an age-old saying that I live my life by. It's it's, it's believe none of what you hear and half of what you see. I want y'all to think about that. Believe none of what you hear and half of what you see. That means you can't believe nothing nobody tell you and half of the stuff <laughs> that you see ain't real. And social media, bro, is not real. And these kids live their life on social media. Everything for the book. Everything for the gram. Everything for TikTok. Everything for social media, bro. It's not real. Man, these kids live in a lot of different places, though, when it comes to the to the world wide web. You know, it's a it's a vast majority of things that these kids get and go. Like porn on your phone and shit and all types of porn used to be porn used to be hard. Porn used to be on tape. Hard to come by. You used to have to rewind it. And leave it at that spot. No, you just had to rewind it every time. Just imagine, leave, leave it on a good spot. Nigga get previews on their porn now, bro. You ain't even got to click on it. You can just say, okay, wait. Okay, next. You just <laughs> had to rewind the tape, bro. Rewind the tape. Yeah, real. But there's neither here nor there. I understand what I'm you're saying. You. I'm telling you, and it's playing a... Social media, a lot of people are finding their identity through social media. And these people on social media are growing these kids up the way that they want them to grow up. Oh, yeah, it's our program, for sure. For real. That's playing a big part into the mental health of, I don't want to say, I want to say, because we're talking about black people, I want to stick I want to I want to keep it black. Social media is really like causing mental health crisis in our in our culture. So so okay, hold up. Let's talk about mental health for a minute too cuz these two they do go hand in hand, but I think we need to take a couple steps back because okay. it's a lot of things that contribute to Mental health. Now we talked about 
black fathers. We briefly kind of hit on like black marriages, right? And you know, so before we get to the internet phase, like we gotta think about all the shit that happened to black men up until this point. Well, we got social media. Now we watching black men being executed by police officers. You know what I'm saying? They running up the views. You seeing all types of shit on it. You know, whatever social media platform you're using. Now, do you feel that the current state, because I feel like I, I always tell a lot of people that a lot of people who grew up in areas like we grew up, we all need to see, um, we need to all be in contact with somebody that we can talk to just to kind of, whether it's to vent or you have a therapist or, you know what I'm saying? I feel like a lot of people need that from areas like where we're from because it's something traumatic has happened, bro, throughout time. And it's, it's something that the world don't want to deal with. And we have to internalize a lot of this shit. Like we just got to be talking about, you know what I'm saying? How I was growing up with or without a father in the house. That's something that a lot of people internalize, whatever their experience may be. It's something that, you know what I'm saying? They start from that being that young and it just matriculates into some more as you grow older. Then you start dealing with, you know what I'm saying? Phobia of the police. You know what I'm saying? The people that you feel like in your life supposed to be helping you, everybody against you. And that go back from how slaves felt by being treated subhuman all up until the point to where, you know what I'm saying, today we looking at men, unarmed black men getting murdered by police officers. How do you think, you know what I'm saying, a lot of that play into mental health overall in black men? It causes a lot of paranoia. And paranoia breeds I don't care what nobody say. A paranoid person is the first person to kill you. For real. A scared person is the first person. That's the person you need to be scared of. A scared person. You don't need to be scared of a brave person. Because nine times out of ten, brave people are, you know what I'm saying, they're confident in themselves enough that we're act, they don't have to act out. And that goes both ways. You know what I'm saying? Right. With the police and with other people and lawmakers and stuff like that and black people. It's paranoia. Paranoia breeds tension and fear. So how that play on the psyche of us as black men is we don't feel like we could do nothing or go nowhere. Right. That breeds anger. Now we angry all the time and we always got something to say so when we encounter a police officer, we not going to be subordinate. You get what I'm saying? Because we already feel some kind of way. But y'all keep doing it to me. Huh? Go ahead. I feel like it's a two-way street, though, because... Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. It is. It, it is a two-way street. Because, you know, not everybody... People take that, like, I feel like, bro, I'm one of the maddest black men that there is, right? But I never really display it because I'm always in my head about just because of what we grew up and how we grew up. I'm always right. looking at things from a different lens. And I'm always, you know, pointing out things. A lot of things I address. You know what I'm saying? But 
at the same time, I'm not the type of person that's going to give police a problem if they pull me over. You see what I'm saying? And that's what I think, you know, the narrative narrative has been created because that's all they show is somebody might be in, might be being insubordinate or, you know what I'm saying, not obeying. And I ain't even going to say obeying, but not cooperating. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people can do that because they want to yell out all these, these bills and articles and, you know what I'm saying, and they get they get let off because they know laws. But a lot of people just mad, you know what I'm saying? You ain't finna say nothing. I just seen a lot of people in situations, bro, they wasn't wrong. And this is like from social media, watching on social media. A lot of people wasn't wrong, but like the way they reacted to what was going on was just like, bro, chill. You don't want to be the reason why you were chilling, not on shit. And then how you reacted to the situation, the reason why don't folk clap your ass. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I say it's a two-way street because there's a lot of people that handle them type of situations different. Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. People gone. We always gone. Every I can't. We're not monolithic. We ain't all the same. Right. We not gonna handle every situation the same. Of course not. But when you get down to the bare bones of it, when you get to the bare bones of the situation. It paranoia on both ends. Yeah. And sure. how that plays into your mental health is it makes you it, it, it what's the word I'm looking for? It's like it paralyzes you. Yeah. It paralyzes. It's like a lot of black men that are going through like social and emotional paralysis. Right. We don't know. We we told, we often told, nah, don't do that. You can't do that. That's a sign of weakness. No, nah, you can't say that. You can't feel like that. Because they're gonna make you feel they're gonna make you seem weak. We come from that, bro. You gotta think about high school. Think about high school. The first thing they told me in high school, the first day, they say, somebody gonna try you. Be ready because somebody gonna try you. Right. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So from a young age. You being taught to be defensive. From the jump. And that's the thing, bro. Like, you got to think about this. So now you got to, you you on guard over here. Now, you go outside of it, and then you see the police, and now you on guard over here. And then just quite frankly, what we did, we get around the certain, a certain type of white person, then you on guard over here. You see what I'm saying? Like, I had a lot of white friends growing up, and I don't like that white friend, black friend shit. We ain't playing that shit. But I'm just saying, like, right. I used to kick it with white people. So it wasn't never no, you know what I'm saying, oh, we don't we don't mess with the whites. You know what I'm saying? For me. No, you know more than But yeah. at the same time, you know what I'm saying, we knew what it was in our city when it came to black and white. You know what I'm saying? Right. A lot of white folk in my neighborhood, they think it was cool for me to hang out with my white homeboy. They just let me know that shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But at the same time, like I say, you dealing with that, you dealing with the police, you dealing with these niggas out here too. Niggas at school, niggas in your hood, niggas in your homeboy hood, you know, you ain't probably around and fucking with these nigga type shit. So you dealing with all that shit, bro. And it's like, damn, when do you ever have a release or when do you ever talk about this shit or sort this shit out? Like, never. Yeah. Never. It's some men, bro. Don't never do that. They don't ever do that. That's PTSD. Exactly, bro. That's PTSD, bro. For real. It's a lot of black men that have never seen a battlefield. 
are suffering from PTSD. PTSD don't just come from people in the military. It's some people, one of my favorite songs on Ryder album is War Baby. Yeah. Mine too. You get what I'm saying? That if you think, if you listen to what he's talking about, bro, he like, man, I grew up in the trenches. You can relate this to this shit though. A lot that of PTSD. Can. I don't care what you, bro, if you gotta, bro, and bro, I can remember a time when we were kids, we were going to a funeral every weekend. Well, somebody, oh, yeah. ain't nobody just dying. You know, folks ain't just dying. People yeah, getting murdered. Yeah, and they wouldn't. You, you know, get what I'm saying? Yeah, every weekend. Every weekend. So it like, you don't never get to unpack it, ever. It's, it's me and me, my brother. I'll take my brother, for example. I ain't going to, you know, speak on some of the things that, you know what I'm saying, but he done been out you. And my brother in his early 40s, his early mid-40s, and he just learning how to deal with his emotions and to deal with some of the stuff that he just saw. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? They come from that era. Oh, you know what I'm saying? The, the, the war on drugs era. I like how Tip always put it. He always put, he was like, everybody was affected by the war on drugs. Mm. Everybody. Whether you knew somebody that was selling drugs, you knew somebody, somebody in your family was on drugs, somebody was in, on your family, somebody in your family was selling drugs, somebody was a drug baby, somebody was uh mm. murdered behind drugs, somebody in jail for, you know what I'm saying? Like it affected the whole family. Yeah. It affected the whole community. So dealing and and and, and dealing with that trauma, they just think it's like. Man, bro, like that was crazy. You just getting the time, if you 45, 46 years old, you just getting the chance to sit down and say, man, that was wild. Man. Whoa. Like, I don't know how to feel ab about that. And just learning how to unpack that. Man. That's, that's crazy. If you if you take a beat and think about that. Man, that's crazy. But it's deep in the realm. For real. That's deep in the like realm. And it's worth, and I know we we, we talking to black, about black men, but think about black women. Think about the effect of black women with us not being there to protect them. Shit. Us not being there to provide for them. Because of uh, the PTSD. Because of this war in the street that we always fighting. We always fighting the war. It's never ending. So we got to get to a place. We got to get to a place as a people, as black men and black fathers, to understand the PTSD, the, 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 the emotional detachment, the, the, the high stress, that cause health issues, like real health issues, like high blood pressure. Shit. That can lead to strokes and heart attacks. For sure. You get what I'm saying? We have to start to hone in on this stuff and be a support system for each other and start holding each other accountable. That's the reason why I say it's a two-way street. <clears throat> and when I say it's a two-way street, is the police scared of you. 
The police is scared of you. And you scared of the police. Because he think you gonna kill him and you think he gonna kill you. Yeah. So we gotta hold each other accountable like, nah, bro, don't even go over there. Nah, bro, don't don't put that dog tin on your car. It, it's, it's, it's illegal here, so don't even do that. Bro, don't ride around here, dirty. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Bro, leave your pills there at the crib. Them boys out. We gotta start alerting each other, man. Them boys out. You get me? Yeah. Like, we gotta start holding each other accountable. That's the only way to remedy this situation. We gotta start. We gotta start seeking professional help. Start holding each other to a higher standard. And we gotta start holding each other accountable for our action. That's yeah. my way of saying the remedy. We gotta understand the severity. We gotta under, understand the severity of doing it, though. Niggas don't do what they're supposed to do because they don't understand the severity of them doing what they're doing. They just believe, man, I just got to do what I got to do for me. You know what I'm saying? It's all selfish. It's like we don't know how to be selfless no more. We really don't. We really, really don't. We often talk about it's like in our community, man, we often talk about, man, I can't get up. Man, I just can't seem to get up. I can't seem to because yeah. crabs in the bear. One crab try to get to the top and then one pull him down so he can get to the top. We cannot succeed like that. We can't succeed like that. How? It should be like if I get out of the bear, bro, I'm going to hold my hand so I can pull you out. And then if we pull, if we if we pull, if I pull you out, it two of us out now. So now we can pull two more people out. Now four of us. And now we can pull four people out. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Like instead of like instead of like scraping and scratching, trying to get to the top. Bro, we gotta be, we gotta, bro, we gotta hold each other accountable, bro. And we gotta stop being selfish and be selfless. We have to. That's the only way that it's going to work. U-N-I-T-Y. That's unity. That's all we need, for sure. For real. Well, yep. I don't know, man. I think that was a pretty deep topic. You know, hopefully uh, we was able to entertain. You got anything else you want to throw on the table? Nah, not really. I mean, I kind of wanted to yeah. talk about social media, man. But that deeper than rap too, bro. Because oh, social media crazy. But, but I did see something. I did see something crazy though. And you tell me how you tell me about this because this dealing with social media and this is the craziest stuff that I've ever seen in my life, bro. Chinese woman daughter died in a car wreck. This Chinese woman had her daughter's consciousness uploaded to VR so she could talk to her. Nah, How crazy is that, bro? Yeah, bro, I ain't, I ain't fucking with no shit like that, cuz. Why would you torture yourself? Like, no, 
Bro, talking to a ghost in the old bro. It's kind of fucked up, bro. That's crazy. I can see how people, why some people want to do yeah, that. Really. I can understand it. You know what I'm saying? But I, can, but I can't well, understand I, I, I that at all. We we doing this podcast right now. You in Jackson, Mississippi. I'm in Frisco, Texas. So you got to think about the idea of a telephone. Years before we was able to do this this podcast the way we doing it, and I apologize for any interruptions. If you hear any interruptions in the podcast, this is the reason that we're doing the best we can to get the best quality we can with this podcast. I just wanted to point that out, but for sure, because we're working on the song. Real so the outlets, the Anchor podcast has been Anchor application has been excellent for us, and for us being able to do this so many miles away. So. We're just taking it how it comes. And again, we appreciate you for listening and bearing with us through those interruptions. But back to what I was saying, no you got to think about it, man. A motherfucker was thinking about, man, I want to talk to a motherfucker who ain't even here. Can you really take this person constantly, plug it in somewhere, and now they just live forever in their mind? Their mind is forever alive, forever young. Oh, don't yeah. fall with smoking that pack. Nah, see, that's that don't new fall opioid smoke in that pack, bro. That's the that's only way you can pull some shit like that out of here because I don't know what the fuck. I'm telling you, bro. Nah. Them niggas was doing something. make you sleep. They were doing a whole bunch of shit. Go somewhere and go sleep because. But if that shit works, bro, I could honestly see people buying into it. A lot of people lose very, very close loved ones that they never want to let go. And that's a part of mental health as well. A lot of people don't know how to grieve. A lot of people grieve differently. Take a lot of people a lot of time to get over a lot of different things. So, I mean, that might be a way of them coping or I don't know, but that shit creepy to me, though. Yeah, it's all with it. I ain't trying to get on it. No folks smoking that pack when they thought of that idea. They need to not do that. It's all we. Now that you mention it, I want to know if it's like, did they really do that? Like, you know, they got here cloning meat and shit around here, bro. They got real clone chicken and shit. Niggas be eating that shit. Can they really upload your content? I mean, now, I remember a couple of years ago, Netflix had this movie came out, right? And everybody thought this shit was real. Like, motherfuckers were cloning people. Had him in these little sacks. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, oh my God, Brandon did it. It's over. And I'm looking at the clock. I'm like, damn, it's going to be over in a few minutes. And I'm just trying to break myself for impact. But then I read a little bit further and it was like, damn, Netflix coming out with this new movie. I'm like, damn, but that shit looks so real. But, you know what I'm saying? I feel like what you're saying is a, it's kind of a play on that on that movie. So let me ask you this. Do you think movies kind of foretell us what we looking at in the future? And we got all way all black men type shit. Hopefully. No doubt. Uh, maybe you can think of a movie that might tell the future of a black man. <laughs> but Man, we not already said what the future gonna look like for black people. It ain't gonna be no race. But yeah, I most definitely believe that movies like Movies put us in the future for real. They yeah. they they put us up on game on the future. I, I seriously believe it. Like, oh, yeah. have you ever seen End Time? Yes, you go hard. 
with Justin Timberlake. Bruh, that movie, I believe that it gonna get down to it, bro. For real. So when we living on the clock. But we really do got already. Time, People gonna find some kind of way to engineer to where your heart is shut off if you don't got no time, bro. Yeah, see that shit deeper than yeah, we deeper than Grand Canyon water. FBI, y'all stop listening to we good morning, y'all listening to our conversation. Let's see. Deeper than Grand <laughs> Ward. What I was gonna say though, <clears throat> you know. I heard you had uh audition for the whole night. I did. <laughs> I'll be the whoever I'll be the whoever boy, told you some uh, shit like that what you saying bye <laughs> man let's get out of here man we, we out of here man it's episode 4 the no cap podcast keep me all the way real it's your boy Javier Fresco Snugs the General we out